We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, this is Mark Corby out of a, a long hiatus of not doing any nostalgic podcast for true faith. So apologies, you haven't heard my uh, voice for a while. Um, due to the uh, the current lockdown, shall we say, um, there's been a couple of ideas going back and forth and ultimately we've got the time. Um, so we're going to try and do as many um, nostalgia podcasts over the last uh, 30, or f- well, 30 or 40 years. And uh, we're going to see what we can keep as entertaining as, as much as we can. Um, delighted to be catching up with an old buddy of mine, Norman Riley. Norman, how are we doing? Hello, mate. I'm very well, Mark. Cheers. Hope I'm, you're I'm well. I'm very well, mate. I'll tell you one thing, Norman, mate. I, I know we, uh, we've, we've had a chat recently about uh, booze. I'm, I'm drinking a hell of a lot more, mate, and you're saying uh, you're not drinking at all. So I, do, I don't know who's, who's doing well and who's not here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm missing it, but uh, yeah, I've had a... Uh, Four months off now, so I think when uh, I'm in I'm in a place now, I'm thinking I'm not going to have my next pint until this lockdown's <laughs> over because I'm going to go to the pub and get absolutely blabbed. Ah, good so stuff, mate. Good for you, that. buddy. Wish I had your willpower. But uh, yeah, we've been throwing a few ideas back and forth. We've we've picked a couple of topics today. Um, the first topic we're going to discuss is it's all about opinions, unpopular, popular. You know, we're trying to chew off the fat on um, a couple of opinions that still to this day um, cause a lot of debate. The first one we're going to talk about is why did Newcastle not win the 1995-96 season? Now, a number of, um, a number of shall we say, reasons or excuses have been given over the years. Um, we've put them. We've put them to each other. We've mentioned things like the defence. Um, you know, weren't good enough. We've mentioned you know we couldn't keep up with Man United and the, the sudden change of form and the fact that you know Eric Cantona scored. I think it was five five winners. What contributed to one nil wins? Um, and we could we didn't have that in our in our locker. Um, and a couple of other things made. Um, signings. Um, players getting dropped. Um, so what's what's your Initial or major reason do you think that we didn't uh, come out on top that season? Right, there's a, there are there are a good few reasons. I mean, you know, you look at that, you look at that league table in February. That that stage, I think we were twelve or thirteen points ahead. Um, and you know, you had that match of the day where Hansen pretty much, I think Hansen or Lineker said it's Newcastle's. It might even mean Des Lynham, but there was a match of the day. Um, where they said, you know, that they're not, they're not going to, they, they can't blow this, and I think at that point the expectation that we're going to win it was just, it was just so huge and such a given that um, the the pressure for some reason 
increased within within the club. I don't think the fans felt it, but I think obviously behind the scenes that there must have just been this kind of cranking up of pressure, like almost like yeah, it's yours now, and that must have had like a, a psychological impact because you look at our results from the thirteen point deficit onwards, they weren't particularly great. Now, Keegan obviously, as we know, he went he went out to try and address the kind of sliding form, and there were two signs that were made. And one of them tends to have been blamed more than the other for the fact that the style of play changed and that we struggled to adapt. And obviously we know it was Tino Asprilia and David Batty. Now the common, con- the common consensus is that Tino coming come in disrupted everything. I personally think it was David Batty that disrupted everything. And that's not taken away from David Batty as a footballer. I think David Batty was a... A very good footballer, very effective, um, and obviously he had a, he had a really good career. I think he had you know almost fifty caps for England, if not more. Um, won the league at Leeds, kind of wanted a Blackburn, but you know refused to refused to keep his winners medal because he only played five times. Um, and prior to Aspria signing, you know Newcastle would only won three in eight games, so he didn't really come in and disrupt any particular rhythm of a side that was doing well. You know, the, the prior to signing, as I say, we weren't doing well in any ways. We were on a kind of downward downward spiral. And he came in against Middlesbrough and he obviously, you know, he impacted on that game massively when he came off the bench, ended up winning 2-1. Um, and you look at how the side was set up. Now, prior to Aspire arriving, you kind of had Beardsley and Ferdinand up front, hadn't you? And, you know, you had... Um, you had a midfield of kind of Clark and Lee in the middle, um, Ginola and Gillespie, right? Now, what happens is, obviously, Gillespie, for one reason or another, he doesn't make the side. He, did he get injured or did he go off the boil ever so slightly? And, uh, uh, sorry. Aye. Well, uh, I, we'll, 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 I was we'll, going to come to Gillespie in a bit. So, 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 so I'll tell you what, right? We'll, we'll, what I looked at it as was, right? Yeah. Batty comes in. Newcastle under Keane. We never play with, we'd never play with a defensive midfielder, right? We hadn't. Batty's a defensive midfielder. So Batty comes in, and to a certain extent, you know, you can say, well, he came in for Lee Clark. He didn't really. Clark was dropped for Aspria, and Biazzi got shunted into the midfield. So Aspria went up. So if you look at it like for like, Aspria replacing Lee Clark, is that an improvement in the team? Well, as far as I'm concerned, it is. Even though they're in different positions, you know, you think, well, if, I suppose, he left Gillespie in there and actually dropped Beardsley instead, or if Clark had stayed in there and he dropped Beardsley, I think that might have been more effective. I think Beardsley went off the boil quite a bit um, towards the end of the season. So, Batty coming in... He did, yeah. ...really kind of disrupted. You know, as I say, the team wasn't firing on cylinders, but we were still uh, a relatively attacking unit by that point. And Batty comes in and we start playing with the defensive midfielder. Yes, the system's the same in the sense that it's 4-4-2, but the dynamic of the midfield has completely changed with Batty coming in and with Beardsley being dropped into the, into the midfield. And for me, the, as I say, the consensus is around Aspria. Aspria, it was always in the press. Aspria, like, you know, bringing him in was a big mistake. It was a big mistake. I don't think it was. I don't think bringing David Batty in as a player was a mistake in terms of his ability. But I think trying to shunt him into that team with 10 games to go was a real sense of desperation. If anything, what we made, what, what Keane could have done instead of going out and getting Batty, which I think was a bit of a panic buy at the time, was going out and bought a, a really experienced centre-half who could have seen me through those last 10 games. That's my take, that's my take on it, but you know, you may well disagree, mate. Well, I don't, I don't disagree with anything you've said. I, th- I think uh, one, one point you mentioned there about Lee Clark, I think Lee Clark, um, for me, 
his uh, contribution towards the let's let's call it the revolutionising what Keegan did. I think his contributions are underestimated for me because he's he's really thought of um, you know in your best teams and things like that, which I understand. We've we've had better players, more exciting players, but Clark was there from um, you know from day one of Keegan. He, you know he was dropped at first after a training uh, a training ground dispute or something, uh, a little bit of a, a spat. But he, you know, he was a player of the year in 92, 93. He was fantastic in 93, 94 before he got injured. And then after that, he couldn't really nail down a place. But then um, Keegan Setram, one day in training in the summer of 95, I want you to be my sort of, not a holding midfielder, because that's something Clark would never do, but he never bombed forward as much. Um, so for me, I, I agree with you. I think Clark was extremely unlucky. Uh, to be dropped for, as you say, Tino, and then and then Batty, um, because if you remember rightly, uh, Keegan toyed with the idea of having three centre halves. He brought back Albert from Albert come back from injury, and he he had uh, all three of them, Howie Peacock and Albert at one point, and I think. Um, th- th- there's a number of factors the more we talk about it the more we think well yeah I- he toyed with three at the back um, and Albert was allowed to bomb forward um, and then when that didn't work that's when he sort of didn't recall Lee Clark he, he literally signed uh, David Batty and went back to four four two. but as you say Asprilia was in um, up front and Biazzi was in a midfield place and he was put on the, on the right hand side of midfield which comes to my main point for me the injury of Keith Gillespie that, for me, that cost us the title. Um, you know, you've got to look at it from a point of view that, yes, we had Ginola who was getting all the plaudits, but even Kevin Keegan said, I think it was around about the time we uh, got a point down at Tottenham. Um, he, there was a, there's a good story about how he went to the back of the bus and was speaking to Peter Biazzi and he says, yeah, you do realise you're playing with the best player in the country at the moment. And Biazzi thought he was referring to um, Ginola. And he wasn't, he was referring to Keith Gillespie, um, you know, which is huge, huge praise. Um you know, Gillespie came in as sort of the make weight with Andy Cole deal, uh, but for but for me, he, he he got the you know the ground running straight away as soon as he signed. You know, he looked adventurous, um, very different to Rule Fox. You know, he would get down the wing, beat beat a man, and cross it in. Unfortunately, towards the end of ninety four ninety five, we didn't have anyone really who would who would finish him off. But once we got uh, Ferdinand, obviously you had Ginola on one side, Gillespie on the other. Ferdinand was the the perfect man for for them. Uh, but yeah, going back to Gillespie, you know, at the time, he, he, I'm sure we could look it up and prove this, but I'm certain that Gillespie had the most assist, assists in the team. He had more than Ginola. For me, he was more he was more consistent. He was direct, but he would beat a man and cross it in and bang, Fernand would score. Um, you know, in bear in mind as well, he had all these gambling issues going on. So God knows if he had a 100% clear head, what, what a player he could have ter- really, really turned into be, you know. Um he got injured, obviously, Phil Neville took him out at Old Trafford, of all places. Um, he missed six games, uh, three of them win the Cup, and we got knocked out of both Cups. Chelsea in the um, in the FA, and Arsenal on that infamous night when Ginola got sent off. So you could see straight away we were missing, There was the balance of the team sort of shifted, you know. Biadzli was never a right winger, he wasn't a right midfielder. He would cut inside and he would go looking for the ball, he would take the ball off the back four, he would end up on the left-hand side, he would end up up front. So for me, the balance of the team totally changed. And as you mentioned earlier, we were scraping results in that January. You know, we would be, I think it was Bolton who were bottom of the league 2-1. We were scraped to win at Middlesbrough. Granted, it's still a derby victory if you want to call it a derby and, and Tino changed the game. But but Gillespie didn't really get back in. Um, I think he, he figured in a couple of more games and then was dropped again. 
and I quick I quickly looked it up towards the end of you know the the, the running up, um, for the end of the season in nine games uh, that Gillespie missed. Um, so so bear in mind he missed a few games. He come back for a couple and he was dropped again um, for for Tino really and Piazzi on the right. He, he missed nine games. We lost four of them. You know, and and that 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 was that was the worst run for a long time. What had so when you factor in that the balance of the side, I genuinely feel that Gillespie was the main reason reason we didn't win the league. Um, you know, and it's. For me, I think Gillespie's a little bit like Lee Clark. He's sort of overlooked in people's best ever teams. I mean, Solano, for example, was a much better player, um, a much better team player. But when you look for it like for like, at the peak of that game, Gillespie was probably, at his peak, a better footballer. And when people use Ginola in, say, Lauren Robert's examples, Robert did it over a longer period, but he was quite inconsistent where Ginola for that six or seven months, the first six or seven months, he was probably the best player we've ever seen. So for me, it's a little bit of a comparison. Gillespie is up there with Ginola in terms of on his day, he was absolutely fantastic. And have we really had a better right winger than Keith Gillespie? In our lifetime, uh, I mean, you see a right winger there, you see, and that's the thing, isn't it? Like, I look at Solano, I look at Solano, and I don't really see Solano as a right winger. He's a right midfielder in the classic sense, whereas I think Gillespie was an, was actually a, a right winger. And I, I think you're probably right in terms of explosive impact. There's no, you know, there's no, no competition. Gillespie was better. I think in terms of just overall impact on the pitch, and you're looking at two kind of different eras, really, aren't you, Solano and Gillespie, even though there's only a couple of years in between one of them. In fact... Yeah, Gillespie just gone ahead and eat a Blackburn and Solano came in. Um, but I think, you know, I, I, I personally prefer Solano as a player, but I do see what you're saying about Gillespie and how important he was to that side. Now, what it also shows you um, is if we're looking at Solano and Gillespie, and let's say Gillespie was never really much on the defensive side of things as, as Solano was, or not as much of a, a defensive kind of uh, right-sided player as Solano. Now, because Solano obviously played right-back as well during his career, um, but you know yeah. it ties into the argument about the defence being culpable that season, and that that is one of I think that is one of the most ridiculous myths um, in Premier League football history. That Newcastle, for a start, under Keegan, we were a going who side. We scored less in the season we finished second, um, 95-96, than we did the following season, and we scored 82 goals in 93-94, um, whereas 95-96, um, I think we got 68, so we scored four, We scored 14 less. We only conceded, I think, 95-96, um, was it something like 37 goals or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So, that, so that's basically, what, less, less than one goal per game, and you're thinking as well, that's a defence that in front of it has got, you know, Robert Lee, kind of an attacking midfielder. Lee Clark, yes, Keegan tried to get him to play a little bit more reserve, more box-to-box, -box, but he was never a defensive midfielder. Keith Gillespie, David Genuela, he then puts Beardsley in the flank, Aspria, Ferdinand. Amongst that kind of, those six forward players, there's not much defensive work going on. So you're looking at that back four and you're thinking the fact that they conceded so few goals is testament to how good they were as, as a defence. Um, and I think, the, again, the, the myth that we lost the title because of, you know, the defence being bad is, it's ridiculous, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and you look at it again next season, we didn't go out in the summer, um, Dalglish, sorry, Keegan didn't go out that summer and bring in any centre-halves. In the following season, Keegan managed, you know, more or less half the season, Dalglish came in and we still only conceded 40 goals. We only conceded three more. And in fact, the following season, without bringing any centre-halves in, we conceded less than the champions, Man United, over the course of that season. So our defence, our defence for two or three seasons was that was actually 
clearly one of the best in the league. Um, and as I say, it's a it's a myth that the defence wasn't wasn't good enough. Totally, totally agree with you. I know it's one thing that really pisses uh, Darren Peacock off. Well, Darren you Peacock's understand. been, yeah, it, it, it's something that really annoys him. And he he's obviously clued up on his stats as well. He's not just one of these players who, yeah, was part of a team and doesn't know anything about it. You know what I mean? He knows his facts. He knows his history. And he's he's, he's went he's went to the press. And I can't remember which interview it was. He says we get battered for that defence, and it really he literally said it pisses me off. He went because that side that defence wasn't too bad. I mean, we've got thirteen clean sheets that season, which isn't fantastic. But it's 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 not too bad. I think when you look at when you look at Man United though, I think they probably had thirteen clean sheets from the turn of the year. Obviously, Schmeichel was immense, as we well know that game at St James's Park, and uh, that's another myth as well. There was a, there was a myth that um, Man United scraped one 0 victories and Cantona always scored the winner. I mean, it happened five times from the new year, which. Is a stat mm-hmm. in itself, but you know they then were still beaten. I think they beat Bolton away six nil on the telly one game. They battered uh, Nottingham Forest five nil um, at home a week before we went uh, went there and scraped a one one draw. You know, so I think I think Man United's the credit's got to be due with that. We fell apart. They got better. And also, I think, mate, um, and, uh, if if we and this is no disrespect to Pavel Cernicek or Shaka Hislop, both who were who were both who were very good Premier League goalkeepers, but. There's been a, there's been a good Premier League goalkeeper and there's been stratospherically better and that's what Schmeichel was he was he was head and shoulders above anyone else in the Premier League at that time in his position and probably he was probably the best goalkeeper in the world at that particular point in time and if we'd had Schmeichel in goal we would have won the title that season no two ways about it um, well well I think I think you've nailed it there. I think I think I did a, a piece on Keegan well, I did three pieces on Keegan a few years ago and, and part of the um, one of the pieces was in regards to he's he never really found the perfect goalkeeper when you think when you think when he inherited the team he had Tommy Wright and then Pav come in due to injury to Tommy Wright and then um when we were in the Premier League Pav got sent off so Tommy Wright come back in but then he was quickly sold and in come Mike Cooper and then after Mike Cooper Pav got back in again um and and then he signed who was it would have been Shaka Hislop um but 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 at the time there was always there was I mean Brad Friedel was on trial but he couldn't get a work permit then he, there was strong rumors that he wanted Tim Flowers but Flowers ended up going to Blackburn so you know there's these did Keegan ever really have his his perfect number one goalkeeper probably not and this is this is probably a pod for another day but perhaps Shea Given in that side may have been the difference as well. I don't know, maybe I'm heaping too much praise on Shea Given, but Shea Given in that uh, a couple of years earlier, who knows who may have who may have won I, the league. I, I, no, I, I agree with you, mate. I think I think I think goalkeeper was a major problem here. And as I say, it's not to take away anything from, from Hislop or Cernicek. It's just that um, you know, we we could have done with someone like Schmeichel. And also you have to tie in, you know, you have to you have to bring in um, into account the fact that Ferguson had just been there and done it, you know, and Keegan hadn't. And as, as brilliant as Keegan was and as fantastic of a, a personality and a football and a manager that he was, this was his first time being in that position. You know, Ferguson had been there with Aberdeen in the early 80s winning European Cups. You know, this was a man who knew what he was doing. And to to blame that title loss on on, you know, too much on Keegan, too much on like Aspria, too much on Batty, too much on the Newcastle defence. Ultimately, Man United won it because they turned out to be better than us, and that then that's 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 your overriding overriding factor there. I think. But to confirm and conclude, I'm going with we didn't win the league because of Keith Gillespie getting injured and not getting back in the side. That is my. I'll say that to anyone. So, what's the main reason? 
Are you going for David Batty? I'm going to say that change in the formation with 10 games to go by bringing right. in defensive midfielder was a mistake. That's not a slight at David Batty. That's just that we yeah. went. We, went we, lo- we looked at rectifying problems that weren't there, i.e. we weren't conceding goals. We needed to score more. Mm-hmm. Perfect, perfect. We're moving on to the next topic, Norman. Um, we're going to discuss managers in our in our lifetime of supporting Newcastle United. Now, we're going to do a little bit of a twist because um, there's always managers who, you know, got sacked too early or got sacked too late. We could talk forever about the likes of Pardew and Souness and, and people like that. Um, but we're going to go with managers who we believe were sacked too early or, you know, we didn't do enough to try and keep them. Um, I'm going to let you go first, Norman. Um, so if you, if you let, 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 let me know who, who you're going for and let's see if we can back it up with um, with reasons why. Right, I think that Glenn Rudder was sacked um, prematurely and it might sound mad because I know, you know, that 06 or 07 season, we had some terrible results and played some terrible football at times. But you have to bring you have to bring in every single factor that Rudder had to deal with. Rudder took over from Souness 2005-2006 and we were under Souness. I genuinely believe that if he if he'd been in that job until the end of the season, we would have been relegated. The way that we were playing by the time he was sacked was absolutely terrible. His decisions were disgraceful. You know, he's play, he was playing Michael Chopper as a winger. I mean, Souness was just the mess that he made. And you look at the mess that he made at Liverpool, you know, um, in the early 90s, he kind of repeated it at Newcastle. He was given lots of money. He brought in players who didn't really want to be there, who weren't good enough. Um, he was far too close to his agent and he and he dismantled a really good squad. Um, Rudder had to take over from that. Um, and he sta- not only did he stabilise us in 05-06, he got us into Europe, which was an incredible achievement, finishing seventh. Um, in the following season, you know, you get a pre-season and he's not, re- he's not given anything to spend because Souness had spent that much money, Shepard, Obviously, we all know about what what transpires a year later down the line is that the club is in serious financial difficulties, as Mike actually found out after he bought the club. So Shepard's not spending the money. We're bringing, I think Rudder brings in for fees the only players he gets are Damien Duff, um, and Tino Aspi, Martins, and he gets Martins when the season's already start, season's already started. Um, deadline day, he gets three free transfers in, and Oli Bernard who never actually plays again because he's too injured. Um, Antoine Sibierski, a thirty-two-year-old journeyman forward. And who else did he bring in as a three? Was it? It wasn't Gooch, was it? On on loan, perhaps, or Giuseppe Rossi. Giuseppe Rossi on loan, he brings in right. Um, and then Onye will comes in later on, doesn't he? On loan. Um, so he, he's dealt. Uh, he's got. He's got the, the residue of Graham Souness's squad. He's got Alan Shearer, who is basically you know playing an extra season. He was supposed to retire. Oh no, sorry, Shearer finished. Sorry, Shearer's gone. So he's got that to deal with. He's got the the retire the retirement of a, a club captain and legend and a huge presence within the club. He's got that to deal with as well. He's got, he's got Michael Owen injured in the two thousand six World Cup because he was brought back too early. Um, he's having to bring in a load of youth players. Um, and that season, what he does is he you know basically keeps us up. Yes, I know he's fired before the last game against Watford, isn't he? Away, um, but you know he has. We're in thirteenth. In February, we're in 10th. We beat Liverpool 2-1. Um, we're in 10th position. His win rate at Newcastle was 45%. Four, almost 46 Do you know no, no other manager? No other manager since has better that win rate. Do you know that? Um, than Rhoda, right? And, you know, he um, also, I know it sounds staff, but we did win the Intertoto Cup, which, you know, that, 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 was, that was a run in <laughs> Europe. We got to the fourth round and we lost we- to Alkmaar and people criticise him for the Alkmaar mm-hmm. defeat. 
Alkmaar and Louis van Gaal won the Dutch league that season. I think they got to the semi-finals. They were a really good side. Um, and not, there's there's a few more things I can throw in before before you were uh, you maybe count on me, mate. Um, I think you know he um, he got us to the League Cup quarterfinals, which was the furthest we've been in years. We actually won a penalty shootout that season, which we hadn't done. I don't think in competitive football in in my lifetime prior to that. Um, and he just. He just did a lot better of a job than I think people appreciate. Some people appreciate, it. and also uh, the other thing is, if Road had been kept on, what might have happened? Ashley would have still come in. Now I think Ashley would have binned Road straight away, and the money that he gave to Allardyce, he, he didn't feel like he could bid Allardyce. Allardyce was never Ashley's man. I don't think he wanted him there from the start, but he was already in. He'd been in the role yeah. for two or three weeks mm-hmm. before Ashley took over. I think if that had been Road, Ashley would have been more likely to have given him the bullet brought in his own man and at that particular point in time if you remember Ashley was actually wanting to spend money and we went out and spent quite big on yeah. holidays well he did he did, he did. unfortunately he, he backed the wrong man. man so that's what I'm saying he might have brought his own man back to him and the whole course of history may have been changed mate you never know but I just gen- I genuinely think well, he did I think, <laughs> genuinely think Rhoda was underrated in terms of the job he did I think brilliant, brilliantly put me. I, I, you've totally reminded me of things I'd forgotten about. Um, you know how good Altmar were for, for one, but um, Rora. I mean, for me, should he? Two things what came out with me. Should he have ever been anywhere near no. the job <laughs> at, at, at the time? Yeah, well, that's 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 the thing. And, and for me, it's a little bit comparable with um, you know the likes of Carver getting a point in the job. Just or just just throw him in for now. He he'll do. Um, you know, and there didn't seem to be much much of a plan. You know, it was like okay, Glenn Rora's getting the job. I think he got promoted from. Was he looking at the He, he, he was. He was, like and that's why he brought a lot of the cami players yeah. the following season. Yeah. So, so he, so he brought in Rhoda to do that, and then you had Alan Shearer alongside him, who was obviously, you know, in touch more with the uh, the first team players. But the, the interesting thing about that though was um, how badly Sunus must have ripped that dressing room apart, because again, it, there's always the new manager syndrome. Um, but but ultimately the the, the the form after that well, I think we went from fifteenth to seventh in, in the Europa League and we were beaten well, you know we had a really really good good run we obviously beat the Mappams four one um, we beat Tottenham at home three one um, we beat I think it was Everton we beat some good, Chelsea good on the sides. last game of the uh, season. Chelsea on the last game yeah, the league. yeah he beat, mm-hmm. beat us to it um, so so yeah he, he did incredibly well. Um, but but I think we're both agreeing there. He should have been probably nowhere near the job. And and one thing what I will say as well is I could be mistaken here, but attendance has started to fall under his watch. You know, I think I think we were getting uh, lower than lower than fifty thousands for possibly the first time. Um, so the football, if I remember rightly, wasn't that good. Um, but but as, as you said before. I agree with you to a certain extent because the the players who were forced upon him. I mean, don't don't forget though. He he had uh, Charles and Zogbia as the left side of midfield sort of winger, and then in come Damien Duff. Was that was that a club decision or was it Road as man? I I can't remember, but you know that was a strange sign considering in Zogbia looked very handy um, towards the back end of that five or six. He did, I, but he, he he did it. That was an odd decision. I thought bringing Damien Duff was a bad signing because he he'd been um, he'd been pretty much he was part of um, the Chelsea. Uh, League winning um, squad, but he, he, you know, he started. He really started dropping off on Mourinho because his injuries were playing up, and obviously we saw we saw that as his career at Newcastle. I think um, the attendance is under road. I mean, officially they hadn't started dropping off. We were still the last three games of the season were still fifty two thousand. But um, you're right, the, the performances weren't great. But the way I look at this is that we beat Sheffield United away two one in April and got to forty points, and we had nothing to play for. So I think naturally performances were going to drop off. And anyways, um, I also think. Um, 
yeah, the Inzoglio one was a strange one, but I think, you know, yes, Rhoda shouldn't have been anywhere near the job, absolutely, but the fact that he was given it and then he did how he did in the circumstances he was under means, in my opinion, he didn't deserve to be dumped the way he was. And, and also, you know, another thing is as well, he, he did bring in Nigel Pearson as his assistant. He brought in Kevin Bond at first and then Bond had to leave because of, I mean, there was something pretty dodgy going on, wasn't there, with a the, with the previous job with him. Um, yeah. And Nigel Pearson yeah. took over and, you know, you, you think, well... <laughs> He had the foresight to do that, and you know he did bring young players. So I'm not saying I'm not saying that Glenn Rudder would have had a, we would have had a good season the following season. Under what I'm saying is, is I don't think at that moment in time he deserves to be fired, um, especially when you see how things kind of played out um, after after he was, you know. I, th- I think to, to counter argue that I think um, getting not out of the cup, you know, considering I think we won four two at home. We were four one at yeah, one that's point, right. and then we. Uh, yeah, and, and, and we looked we looked really, really good, but it seemed to collapse from there because if you look at the the stats, we failed to score in eight of the last eleven games in the league. So, you know, when you when you think fair enough, um Owen had was out injured, but he had Martins, but I don't know, there's something not right there when a football team cannot score in eight of eleven games, you know. But um but yeah, greatly put, mate, greatly put. I think um Rhoda certainly wouldn't He's not one more jumps at my, my, to me is a you know one where I think oh he was a great manager but I think it, there's there's a lot of you know positivity about what you're saying and uh, he was probably the right man at the time to sort of steady the ship a little bit um, <laughs> but unfortunately um, once he left it sort of you could see <laughs> downhill very 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 quickly but uh, but you, you mentioned Glenn Rora and, and that sort of uh, links nicely into who I'm going to go for um, who was the, the, the captain for a lot of the time. Uh, when he was a footballer in Newcastle, um, is Willie McFall. I'm going to go for Willie McFall. Now, uh, me and you started attending around about the same time, 86, 87-ish, um, and Willie McFall was the manager. Um, he got the job. Um, similar circumstances, he was already um, on the coaching staff at Newcastle. Uh, Jack Charlton was, well, I'll, I'll not say he was hounded out, but um, uh, following a pre-season friendly against Sheffield United, I think it was, the performance was shocking. And uh, I think it was only about three or 4,000 there. And um, a couple of fans got on his back and he walked. He said, no, nah, the, the, the day they've had enough, um, I'll walk, you know. And he did. So Willie Maffall, quick appointment, I think it was the week, actually it was, it was the last uh, pre-season fixture uh, before the season started so quick fix was Willie McFall caretaker manager but he got the full season and because he got the full season uh, he got with her 11th you know he, he used uh, Gascoigne to great effect Gascoigne was probably where, where, where best player alongside Beardsley even a, I think it was only 17 or 18 at the time um, and then the following season you know, you've you've got a factor in he, he 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 brought in a lot of youth players. You know, from the nineteen eighty five youth youth team. Um, obviously Gascoigne was already there, but uh, Joe Allen got a few games. Paul Stevenson come through the ranks. Brian Tinian, Ian Bogey, all players who you know were, were highly thought of. You know, um, so he was given youth a chance. Um, I think I think the pro- the problem was is he got given the job permanently, um, in nineteen eighty six. And obviously, part part of his his main problem straight away was the fact that Peter Biazzi was then a household name after after the, a successful uh, World Cup in Mexico, and and straight away it was all the big clubs were going to come for him, and it was a case of how we're going to keep him interested and are we going to really really you know be able to you know keep him interested but also make sure that he's not going to go anywhere. So he, he was fighting to lose and battling away uh, because a 
He's a better player wanted to move on, probably, and, and be successful. And part of the reason for that was not because he wanted to move away from Newcastle, just because Newcastle, the board, they didn't match his ambitions. So going into that season was always going to be a bit bit hard. But we had a shocking start. I think we were rock bottom most of most of um, the first few months. Then he, he brought in Paul Goddard for a record fee at the time. Um, I think it was only about four hundred four hundred thousand right, or something, I. but record fee. So he brought Goddard in. Things turned around nicely. Love, lovely attacking attacking team. Biazzi Goddard, Andy Thomas. He had also brought in Peter Jackson, um, who was you know part of a successful Bradford uh, team at the time. Uh, he brought he identified youth again with Darren Jackson. Uh, Neil McDonald was a pushed into a midfield role. What a, a, a steady back four with Rhoda, Peter Jackson. I mentioned. John Anderson and Kenny Wharton. So he had some really, really good players and he, things were starting to turn around. Um, thankfully, even though I had another bad run towards the end of the season, Goddard went on that amazing run. And um, I think he scored something like, was it seven or eight in a row he scored? And we ended up stopping up with games to spare. So, you know, with, with, he totally turned it around. Thanks thanks in major, though, uh, the return of Gascoigne, because uh, Gascoigne had been injured most of the season, but he come back and... Uh, you know, results improved. But this is where it gets interesting for me, though, because we end up losing Peter Biazzi for, I think it was 1.92 million. And people say the, he, he lost his, you know, his best player. He had, he had lost Waddle before he'd even kicked the ball. Uh, managed to manage the game, should I say, in, in 85. So he's, he's lost two of the, the better players of that, of that decade. Um, and then we're going to the nineteen eighty seven season. He takes a risk on uh, on Mirandina, the first Brazilian who you who you interviewed superbly, I should say. Well, thanks, man. Uh, last year, that was that was a brilliant listen. That, but but yeah, I, I mean, he, he only he only signed Mirandina, so you could say if if two million, he he only was allowed to spend around about six or seven hundred thousand because he bought in uh, Glenn Hodges as well from. Did from he bring Wimbledon, in Michael O'Neill as well? Was, well, he, he brought him in a couple of months mm. later for about fifty thousand from. Uh, from uh, the Northern Ireland team, I think it was Korean or something like that, but uh, but yeah, I mean, another bad start of the season. But again, it, it, as we got going, that it, 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 it turned around. Um, you know, we, we, we beat the likes of Man United at home, who who end up finishing second. We beat Forest away, who I think finished third. We, we took points off Everton and QBR, who you know were then with a top five, top six teams at the time. Obviously, we got absolutely annihilated off Liverpool, but Liverpool beat uh, everyone. You know, out of sight in, in, in that period, but but yeah, I mean, he, he turned it around again. He, the, the team was built around Gascoigne. Gascoigne, you know, was the the the, the under twenty one player of the season, uh, football football um football of the year, um. But unfortunately, he had that to live with as well. You know, Gas Gascoigne was well sought after. There was rumours of Man United and Tottenham, Tottenham end up getting him. Um, uh, but he end up losing Gascoigne. Then Goddard and then Neil McDonald, who you could say were three of the best four or five players in in the side. To to put that into perspective, it's probably the equivalent of you know a couple of years ago when we got relegated and we ended up selling Ronaldo, Sissoko. Um, you know they, they, that type of player we, we sold our best players, but we just finished eighth. So you can imagine his disappointment. We couldn't hold on to them players, but for once the board backed them. You know, I'm sure you can remember the four players were brought in that summer. Dave Besant, Andy Thorne, John Hendry, John Robertson. Exactly. So, and, and three of those four were record signings. Um, all less than a million, of course. So we still weren't spending big, but we're spending big for Newcastle. And then, you know, this is where it gets a bit unfortunate because we, we got off to a terrible start in 1889. 
and I, th- I think the writing was on the wall when we went to uh, Sheffield United in the in the League Cup and we got battered at 3-0 I mean then we're a third division side but they were, they were a good third division side and, and lo and behold they got promoted that season and then got promoted to the top flight this season at after. our so expense at our expense no less at our expense yes so so yeah I, I, but, but yeah in it's just a shame that he had such a fantastic result by beating Liverpool, which is, you know, it's remembered so fondly by supporters of that of that era. We went to Liverpool, beat them 2-1. Mirandina scored the winner, a penalty in front of the cop. And the fans probably celebrate, they're probably still celebrating now because it was unheard of for teams to go. A bit like now, teams do not go to Liverpool and pick up a victory. They didn't back then, 32 years ago. And it's such a shame that that victory was so brilliant, unexpected, but then a week later we'll go to um we'll go to Coventry uh, at home to Coventry and we'll get battered 3-0, 3-0 down at half time. Um and then within a day or two he was sacked. And that that's only seven league games in the season. But for me, you know, you've got to look at it from a point of view of the previous two seasons, we got off the bad starts, but we've become better team a better team as the season progressed. I think I think we we got rid of him far too early. Um and it's no coincidence that with it it took eight games for would actually get a manager in, so we had no one in place to replace him, which is, you know, it's it's shambolic. It's as simple as that. And I don't know if you remember, we went for David Hay, who had been a successful manager at Celtic in the 80s, yeah. And uh, we tried to bring back Arthur Cox from Derby. Arthur Cox just didn't want to know. Um, he, knew, he knew what the board was about, considering he left under a, a cloud in 84. And then we end up going for Jim Smith, and it, the, the the thing is, I, I did a piece recently on Jim Smith, and he's on, you know, he's, he's God bless his soul, he's he's passing. And when I was reading up on it and interviews and stuff, I couldn't believe that he come in um, on I think it was a hundred thousand pound a year, which it's nothing these days, but back then that was a fortune. And it's quite odd how he doubled his wages going from QPR to Newcastle. But Willie Mac Four was on probably around about thirty forty grand Newcastle, so it's like. Why did we go for Jim Smith? What you know was he the last of a long list, and we couldn't get any others? What was the the club that toxic back then? Um, you know, because bear in mind there was anti board chance what um, Macfall had to deal with again third season in a row. So you know, it was a bad start. A lot of people don't really rate Macfall. I just think at the time he was sacked far too early in that season, and lo and behold, the season picked up now and again. But he got rid of all. Jim Smith got all, rid of all the youngsters who uh, Macfall had brought through, and at the end of the season, the actual starting lineup was unrecognisable, unrecognisable from what Macfall had ultimately built. And yes, it was a bad start, but for me, Norman, I think he was. I think he was sacked too early. Can you remember much about that? Period? I can't, mate. And I I agree with you on this. Um, I think you know the the big killer that season was, as you say, the fact that he was sacked after the. Defeat against Coventry City, which was really unfair. I mean, you know, you look at that Coventry side as well. You just have to look at the two of their scorers that day, Cyril Regis and David Speedy, both players who could, who on the day could get Coventry a result anyway. Um, you know, they were a decent side. They won the FA Cup what, two seasons earlier. Um, the you know the, the Coventry were an okay side, and you know, obviously, yes, losing three 0 is bad, but to to beat Liverpool and then from the, just get binned a week later, they were they were clearly looking for an excuse. Like you say, the Sheffield United away game may have played a part, but it was a League Cup game. It was kind of inconsequential to the, to the league, really. And I also think if McFall hadn't been sacked, so you look at the next eight games, we get one win and one draw in the next eight games. Um, you know, we beat, beat Middlesbrough three 0 and we nil nil. Man, you were the, the worst televised game ever ever on history in history of football, I think. But I think out of those eight games, if McFall had stayed, I think we would have got at least six or seven points. So that's an extra three or four points at the end of the season. 
in, in that little bit of momentum, that could have made a big difference. I also think, sorry, I also think that Smith came in and he brought in his own men. And what that meant was he kind of, more or less, you know, Henry, Robertson, Besant, um, he didn't really utilise him. And I think they were all good players. And I think under McFall, because they were McFall signings, he would have persevered with them. And I think it would have come good. I think John Robertson was probably one goal away from getting the confidence up to banging a few more. John Henry was an excellent player. He subsequently went on to have a really good career in football, obviously at, uh, at Leeds and Middlesbrough. Yeah. And Dave Besant went on to have a brilliant mm-hmm. goalkeeper. He ended up being part of the 1990 World Cup squad. Um, so, so, you know, I do I do think that McFall was sacked. Um, McFall was sacked too early. The dithered on replaced him. That really hit us. I think Smith... I think Smith, I can understand why they went for him. You look at his record at QPR. He did incredibly well. He did really well at Oxford yes. United. I can see yes. why they went for him. They probably thought, yes, he will keep us up this season. He'll scrape us up and then he'll then he'll stabilise us. Um, it didn't work out like that. And now that you've mentioned the money, which I had no idea about, that it baffles me that somebody like David here wasn't willing to take the job if he was being offered that kind of money. And again, that suggests that a lot of bad things were going on behind the scenes that McFall had to deal with as well. Well, you mentioned the fixtures. I've had a quick glance there, Norman. And, and, and you know, if you remember that time, I've got a quite a good memory, but I'm not without getting into a quiz question. But, you know, if you look at my fixtures, Everton, first day of the season, Everton spent massively Aye. that summer. Tony Two Cotton, titles no, in the previous four years no, as well. Exactly. Then you've got Tottenham at home. Big um, spenders. That just took Gascoigne off us. That had Waddle. That also signed Paul Stewart. Massively, massive signings. Derby County. Um, Dean Saunders wasn't there at that point but Derby went on to have a fantastic I'm sure they finished mm-hmm. top six then you've got Norwich who finished challenged third. for the title right up yeah. until the end um, Charlton Charlton were a little bit of a boogie side but we'll not, we'll not use and that and it was an away and it was Liverpool. away from home yeah. And, yeah then we had Liverpool who were the reigning champions and no one got a result at Liverpool and then we had Coventry who as you said before were a very good side and they finished I'm sure they finished top eight as well so when you look at them fixtures on paper now, you're looking going, well, no. But back then, they were bloody good sides. So I think this backs up what I was saying about Usak too early. And certainly, when you look at the following fixtures, when we had West Ham away, who were around the bottom all season and got relegated. Middlesbrough, who um, had a good start, but they got relegated as well. Yeah, they got relegated on the last day of the season, didn't they? It, uh, it hails, bro. QBR, who obviously James Smith was a manager. But they hadn't had a good start. And you had the likes of Millwall and Millwall who had just been promoted and Luton Town who were, who were always around about the bottom. So apart from Man United and Arsenal, who you would expect to be at the top, you you're right, mate, them fixtures, you know, he could have turned it around. But um but yeah, just just to summarise, for me there's probably more. Um but Mac Fall jumps out at me. I I genuinely feel like he was uh based based on what I've just discussed there, I think he was sacked too early. I agree. Well, on that note, Norman, we'll leave it there. Um, I'm sure we've got plenty of topics to discuss coming forward. We'll, we'll try and do this as often as we can, Norman. Um, but for now, mate, you take care of yourself and uh, we'll speak very shortly.